Welcome back to Blake the Brace Explorer podcast. This is episode number nine. My name is Blake Longfell, and I'm here with my new member of my brew crew, Ronald Lynch. He's from Miss Beer Behavior Podcast. If you haven't listened to him, you should. They're awesome. And we talk about things that are beer related and terrible, horrible, uh, like my one buddy just said, raunchy things. But mostly a lot of beer and farts. It feels so good to be back on the mic. We are north of Cincinnati and Dayton. We are in cold water today at Tailspin with head brewer Austin Kraft. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing, doing great, guys. Thanks for uh, making the trip up and coming to talk to us about beer. Uh, I got to thank Ronald for this one. He helped me get this one set up, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. He, so. he comes in every now and then and has a few beers on his way home. Yeah, I, I work very close to here, and there are times that the place I work at very close to here sometimes requires more than a few beers. But that's off topic. I think that's any job nowadays. <laughs> Between the people and stuff like that, and when there's a brewery nearby, it's so so easy just to go there and have a couple of drinks. And it's the joy of working in a brewery. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just pull one off the tap or out of the tanks in the back. Nice and fresh. So, how did you start your relationship with craft beer? You know, I've always had a, a love for craft beer. I think it started way back you know, in high school, <laughs> Mercer County area. You know, we start drinking pretty young here. And uh, my parents kind of were like, you know, if you're going to drink, you're going to drink what we have in the fridge. And it was always Michelob, Amber Bach. And then it kind of progressed there. It went kind of more into the darker beers. And then, you know, went to the military for a little while, got away from it. And then um, when I was in North Carolina, there was a couple of Carolina ale houses, and they always had – uh, Sam Adams craft beers and stuff on and I just kind of fell in love since an early age and um, you know went to college and I was always the old man drinking beer and always had something different than the, the bush lights that everybody had um, so it's been a long journey and it's been a it's been a fun one fun one for sure do you have like specific beers you started drinking uh, yeah early on I think uh, I don't know Sam Adams used to do these bombers I, I don't remember what they were called but the series was they were always something different and there was just a variety of like stouts or, or saisons or, or just some weird stuff that they were doing in the early two, I think probably 2008 2010-ish and so I, I just got into that I've always been a fan of um, super dark beers or dark beers you know everybody everybody loves Guinness and then um, you know from there it just kind of styles never really had a particular style that i was uh super into i just kind of drink the gamut you know it's if it's good beer it's good beer so yeah they definitely say guinness is like a gateway yeah oh it was for sure so what was the first thing you ever brewed first thing i ever brewed uh at home was like a you know i started out home brewing like a lot of brewers i'm sure that you guys talked to and people in the industry uh it was probably like a brown ale kit from Northern Brewer or something, just a simple extract kit, uh, one gallon. And then from there, it kind of progressed into um, doing a little bit more extract brewing and then a lot of meads. And then I did a small all grain, like five gallon batch. And then uh, that was like a simple pale ale. So nothing too complicated, really simple, follow the instructions and don't mess it up. So, and then when we started brewing here or started brewing here, I was uh, actually hired on as a bartender and kept pestering the owners, uh, Jack and Therese, like, hey, when are you going to let me, when are you going to let me brew? When are you going to let me brew? And um, finally one day he's like, okay, fine, I'll train you. First beer I think I brewed here was probably the Guernsey Gold, the Cream Ale, which is like our kind of entry line. I don't think you guys have that in front of you, but nice little entry beer, simple flavors, and not not, not too complicated of a mash bill or anything like that. So, so when you used to 
was there a certain style you like brewing right away or do you just like brew? Oh, the stouts, the dark beers, the smells. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have been in breweries when they do the stouts and the dark beers. The smells on a stout beer are just all those roasted chocolatey coffee malts are just incredible. So definitely the darker beer styles. Yeah, when we did the 513 collaboration with uh, Third Eye, you definitely could smell the chocolate that oh, day. Yeah, that, yeah, that, you've done a chocolate beer. I've had yeah, beer, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Uh, that was for my 42nd birthday. I made a chocolate milk stout, and there was a whole lot of chocolate in that. A lot of Hershey's yeah, lot cocoa of, powder. A lot of cocoa powder, yeah, I remember that one. When you're brewing stuff like that, do you, is there a certain chocolate you like using? or? Is oh, it so really we don't use any chocolate in our, in our stouts um, just because the roasted malts, you know, you're, you're, there's enough chocolate and kind of burnt bitter flavors there. So you don't, we don't really use any adjuncts like that. Um, some of our adjuncts that we do use uh, like Amaretti purees because they're just so clean and simple and perfect for flavors, so. It's nice going to breweries. As as much as I love my pastry stouts, it's nice to go to somewhere that yeah. a little bit normal. Yeah, I love, not gonna get you like I love Street Side. Yeah. Garrett Hickey was yeah. awesome to talk to, but when some of those they are yeah. beers, just like God, I'm gonna need to get there, There's definitely something to be said for we'll call it good quality basics. You can if you can make an awesome quality super lactose donut beer that tastes yeah. just like you know a tim hortons blueberry timbit oh, it's incredible go yeah. for you but yeah. oh, if you can't do you know a basic standard lager yeah. or you know a good colch yeah. you know what's the point i mean i love, I love i've got a ton of barrel aged pastry shouts from listerman and you know dragon's milk all that stuff stashed away at the house i love them but you're but you're right They're like you drink nine to ten ounces of one you're like all right it's you know, 13 14 15 percent it's just a little too sweet too much and you kind of want to tell like uh down. my so. uncle was at um craft and cured in troy and he said you know they had a 17 percent beer and i was like what in the hell am i supposed to <laughs> what was it for god the birthday thing that we had it was zach my buddy chad rob and myself I think we did it as like the only like remote misbehavior episode. We went to Ailmatic in Huber Heights. Oh, yeah, Zach bought his super duper special bottle of that like ridiculously high proof Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. The Utopias. Yeah. yeah. We, we all have like, you know, a thimble worth of that. Because, yeah. you know, it's an expensive bottle and one of his relatives put hands on it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a beer you drink like sip it <laughs> just a little bit that's a sipper but yeah it was good it was like super cherry but uh yeah, yeah that, that that's one of those that yeah too damn expensive you know 100 plus dollars a bottle kind of shit uh, my uncle bought this uh sent me this he thought it was a bourbon but it was a uh, uh, buffalo trace colonel taylor uh with Sierra Nevada's like 70% oh, the, barley the, wine. The, the Bigfoots or whatever Yeah, was. yeah, that was, yeah holy yeah. crap, that's a Thanksgiving yeah. beer. It was, yeah. I had, I had one or two of those as well. Again, they were a lot. I mean, they're great. I mean, I love them. There's a place for them, and obviously there's a crowd for them because shit, Listerman used to have people lining up. They probably still have people lining up at the doors for releases. Because then you go to that mint yeah. cookie thingy. What, uh, Demi Gorgon Day? That's, you know, that's, that's coming up. Yeah. Um, I went, what the hell, the last thing I went to at Listerman, they had a Cookie Monster beer. Yeah. They're, they're cookie, you know, me want cookie or something like yeah. that. And it was just cookie monster, uh, a good, you know, cookie dough flavored stuff. Yeah, I think that I think that that kind of market's died down a lot. Obviously, I, you still hear people going out and hunting for the, the Bourbon County barrel age from Goose Island, but it's not as much. I think 
I think the craft beer community as a whole has kind of matured a little bit, and so they're more into crisp, clean, light lager flavors now. You know, I think we're all getting a little older. Right. <laughs> so. And also, you know, with the Bourbon County, there's a lot of good breweries around here that yeah. you really don't need to go to Goose Island to you're go right. get it. Yep, you're right. And you don't need to pay the $30 a bottle for it because mm. it's... Yeah, there's. Oh, I spent good money on dark charge, but I'd, uh, I'd rather put my money towards yeah, that yeah. than. Uh, I'll just say the last Goose Island I actively remember having cost me a lot more than thirty dollars. Oh, yeah. Some of them are crazy expensive. There's dark charge. There's whiskey rebellion. There's Ohio's putting out some of the best beer in the country, and a lot of people I mean, don't understand that. I mean, <laughs> how many gold medals Ohio just won? Yeah, it's incredible to be a, to be a part of that. You know, like I said, we talked a little bit earlier that you know we really don't compete here at Tailspin, but. Our, our mission and our, our philosophy is a little bit different than some of the other breweries, and we're not quite to that point where we're ready to put a lot of our beers on the main stage to get you know to get judged on. But yeah, Ohio is it's incredible. It's incredible to be a part of because it just it's keeps, too late. You're here. You're being judged. <laughs> yeah, ha ha. That's, that's fine. It just keeps growing, which is which is incredible to see. You know, every every month the OCBA puts out, you know, hey, we've got four more breweries in planning. You're like, holy shit, man, where are these all going? And you're right. like. So, talking about uh, breweries and size, so about how many barrels do you guys have? Uh, so, we have six seven-barrel fermenters um, that we do, probably two brews a week. Uh, so, except for like, our lagers and stuff, they take a little while to, to ferment and lager out. Um, yearly production, I don't have that number. I don't really deal with that too much. Oh, that's much. cool. That's Jack's job. <laughs> so, for our listeners, if they're uh, nowhere near cold water, Ohio, do you guys distribute anywhere? So we've just started getting into the canning game. Um, it's slow. Uh, we have a single seamer. Uh, so we're trying to keep stuff pretty local. Uh, farthest maybe it's like St. Mary's. Uh, a lot of restaurants have our stuff down in Greenville, all the way up to Columbus Grove, uh, Kaleida. We've got beers on draft at uh, a lot of restaurants in the area. Because I know you used to be at Troy Mojo's a while back. Yeah. Between yeah. you and Lake Rat. Yeah, so... So we just, it's just hard to, to maintain a lot of that. You know, like I said, Jack, uh, he's kind of enjoying his retirement. And I took over a lot of the, the brewing operations and also delivering and, and a little bit of everything kind of goes with that. So it's, it's kind of tough to keep up with a lot of those places. So a lot of the farther places, you know, we had some beers up in Toledo at uh, Casual Pint. And it, it's just a, it's just a haul for us. You know, it's just me on a Friday <laughs> trying to mm-hmm. make that trip. So, so uh, what you're saying is they have to come up to here to this awesome place if they want it. Try to try to bring them in. I mean, obviously, we'd love to, to expand it, a little bit more on distribution, but you know, we're we're growing a little bit by little bit by little bit, and uh, we'll get there eventually. It, it is well worth the drive up here. They are very much out in the middle of nowhere. Coldwater's <laughs> not a big town, but it is well worth the drive to come get a good sip from these guys. I think, yeah, we're in a we're in a seventy year old uh, old dairy barn, and I think the vibe is very much that of a seventy year old dairy barn. Uh, so let's talk about your Oktoberfest. Yeah, so. Let's talk about October. So, how, when did this come out, and when were what so, all goes into it? We uh, we put ours out in mid August, I believe, uh, end of July, early August. But try to. Um, that's a uh, Jack's recipe. So Jack and his wife Therese were both in the Air Force. They spent a lot of time in Germany and traveling, and so you know he got a first kind of hand experience on a good Marzen style beer. And obviously, he came back uh, about seven, eight years ago now, and he created his recipe and. Uh, we do it just seasonally, so we do probably five to seven batches of that a year, uh, from like I said, late July till end of November, mid-November usually, and it always brings a ton of people in. It's got a straight, 
you know, all German malt, mash bill, all German no noble hops. And uh, we, we put a lot of time and effort into making sure that it has all the right lager notes and everything else. So, so do you know what inspired him to open up this place? Uh, the story that I got, and Jack, if you're listening, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, was that... Uh, we just got invited. Yeah, yeah. So he's originally from Louisiana, if I, if I remember right, and he met uh, Therese's wife while they were in Germany, and they got married, and, you know, she is from this area. And But when the time for them came to get out of the military to ETS or whatever, um, she wanted to move back here because all of her family's from this area, and he said, okay, I'll do that if I can open a brewery, because he was always a home brewer as well and always did stuff for the for the troops and stuff that he was in command of or whatever, his squadron. And um, yeah, so they kind of just, that was the agreement that he'll move back to Coldwater as long as he can open a brewery in seven, seven years ago. Did Mercer have like different laws before he came in or was it pretty um, easy opening a brewery around here? I think it was probably pretty easy for them. I really, I, I don't, I've been here for uh, going on four years now, something like that. Uh, I think it was, pretty easy for them to get everything started obviously retrofitting the barn and and making sure that it's functional on one side in, in the parlor the old dairy part the milking parlor functional as a brewery on that side and then you have a good family atmosphere on the on the tap room side um, but i think it was pretty standard for them to get everything opened up and is there a lot of brewing history in mercer county that people aren't aware of or and as far as mercer county goes i'm i'm not super sure on that i know that like uh minster and Auglaise county there was the, you know a uh, wooden shoe brewing company it's in some capacity and that area has been around since the 1800s um but as far as this area i really i don't yeah. i don't think and so. you guys do the beer for we do shoe. yeah so that kind of all came about about four years ago five years ago at oktoberfest we always um, bring our beer trailer over to the minster oktoberfest which is just a huge huge event for us um and the, the owners, uh, the new owners of the Wooden Shoe Restaurant, the Flippos from Minster there, they, they bought that restaurant and they were retrofitting, changing everything, updating it, and they had the recipe. And it was being contract brewed by a lot of different places uh, down south. And he wasn't, the owner, Andy, wasn't super happy with it. So he approached Jack and was like, hey, could you, you know, could you brew this beer for us? And Jack's like, yeah, sure, we'll give it a shot. So. We changed that recipe up, and yeah, like I said, in some capacity, that beer's been around since the 1800s, like mid-1800s, mm -hmm. so. Nice. I always love it when, like, places, like, try to reuse the recipes yeah. at the old, especially, like, you know, like the Caroline Brewing and yeah. what they're doing with Little Kings and Warline. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's cool to see the classics. Stick around, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, keeping something that's historical in, you know, in check, you know, more or less, you know, there's been slight tweaks for, you know, obviously you know grain differences and things yeah, but of course keeping something that you know if you had a time machine you go back 100 120 years and drink the exact same thing yeah. that to me is an awesome thought yeah it should be similar so we did that we did the we did the lager for them that year and then i think the following year we started uh making their bach beer as well so yeah pretty pretty proud to brew that one every time we do a batch that's another one that you know you put a little bit of effort a little bit more effort into making sure it's it's done properly because there is such a history and a, and a tradition of it. So. Talking about wooden shoe, the first beer you have is a wooden shoe lager. So how, so is that how that came out? Or yeah, so I, like I said, the recipe I think you know in some capacity or one way or another has been around for you know hundred years or better. And um, we obviously had to tweak it a little bit, like Ron was saying, you know, difference in malts, difference in yeasts and hops and stuff. But it's just a nice, crisp everyday lager. Um, it's it's 
if you come in and you ask for a bush light, which, you know, in Mercer County, we get a lot of people on party buses. Hey, what do you got that tastes like Bud Light or bush light? Oh, that's the beer that we're going to give them. And that's not knocking that beer because I think it's got a lot more flavor. Oh, yeah. Than like a Bud Light or a bush light. But oh, yeah. By this, far. This has got like a, like a sweeter, creamier flavor to it yeah. versus like a bush light, Bud Light kind of a flavor. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, all kind of just two row, a little bit of Munich, and then um, obviously noble hops because it is a German lager. So it's got the Hallertau and the Tet. So. When we were talking about, you know, breweries making, like, the pastries and stuff like that, I think what really defines a good brewery is how, how well they make their lager because, you know, lagers, you can't hide anything. You cannot hide anything, and, yeah, they're uh, – I love them. I think the first beer that I brewed here on my own as my own recipe was an Italian Pilsner, and uh, when I told Jack that that's what I wanted to do, he's like, you sure that's what you want to do as a Pilsner? I said, yeah, sure, why not? can't be that hard. And the first couple batches just came out incredible. I think we sold, uh, you know, about two I, batches, which was like 26 kegs. We did. I liked it. I think I took a can, and yeah. uh, I think I took a, took like a Haller can home, and I'm pretty sure we had that one on Misbehavior, or it may have been the uh, old name of the podcast. I don't remember when that one was done. I don't think I caught it on the Misbehavior. So you weren't. So were you here opening day for 2016, or? No. Um, I was in college, and in college 2016. So, like I said, I was in the military, did six years in the army, and then I took a year or two off, and then I went to college, got a degree in visual communications, and I was working in Minster as a graphic designer for a while. Uh, picked up this job, bartending, to make some cash for our wedding uh, in 2020, oh 2021. Don't don't listen, Rachel. But yeah, no, I wasn't here for opening day. Uh, I've I've had Tailspin beer pretty much since they opened obviously they were doing festivals and stuff and i've always been a fan the ohio sky was kind of one of those first ones in the irish red or kind of the two two of like the five core beers that have kind of maintained mm. on our on our menu what's yeah. your so what was your core when you when they started so the guernsey gold the, the irish red the berry bomber and there was a series of three six and nine g's it went like a, a blonde ale a pale ale and then a the nine g's is a super hoppy kind of west coast style ipa and then ohio sky and the uncle gus were kind of the kind of the main ones the bullseye rye was probably on there and we just excuse me we just brought that back um this past week so we have kind of a six I think 13 beers on tap six or seven of them stay pretty much the same all the time and then since he's kind of let me go in the back we kind of rotate through um, a lot of different styles and kind of whatever i'm feeling do you like have a top selling beer it's like you have to have this on that the locals are like hey why don't you have that yeah um so like consistently our berry bomber is up there uh the spitfire which i also didn't give you guys sorry the irish red is always a big one um and then obviously when oktoberfest is on that just dominates our sales you know Whenever we put a new thing on, we put the seltzer on early in the summer, that dominated sales for two or three months, and we put a sour on. I remember uh, when you like first talked about doing the seltzer, was, you just were like part, was almost ready, and you were sitting there talking about getting like the different flavors and yeah, things to go with yeah, it. Yeah. You weren't 100% sure how it was going to do for you at that time. <laughs> I, I had never made a seltzer, and I had done a lot of research, and I had contacted a lot of friends in, in, in Ohio breweries and, and Michigan breweries. I'm like, hey, how in the heck do you make this? Because, you know, everybody gets that seltzer and they get this, oh, it's going to have a weird kind of aftertaste. I was like, I don't want that. Do I, do I need to buy a charcoal filter? Do I need to talk to a guy of mine? He's like, just relax. Just this is what you need to do. Just do it. And um, we 
kind of decided early on that we weren't going to commit entire batches to single flavors. So we, like I said, we went with the uh, the flavor pumps, and I think a lot of a lot of breweries now are, are doing that. I think Black Frog up in Toledo is doing that. A lot of them are doing flavors. I've not been to Black Frog, but I definitely want to check them out yeah. sometime. Yeah, they're doing big things up there. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so we, we did the seltzer, and it's, it did dominate. It's like I said, it, it rotates a lot. There are core beers that will never go away, as much as I dislike them. But Wait, do you have some you don't? Yeah, I'm not a huge Berry Bomber guy, but it's, it's, a, it's a raspberry cream ale. It's just not my cup of tea, it's, you know, so. But it, it sells. It but sells. it probably helps people that aren't huge yeah. in the IPAs or something. Yeah, somebody it's, that's never had a craft, and they're like, well, uh, uh, get nervous, and they're like, yeah. well, I'll take the fruit one because it yeah, you know, exactly. you know, tastes fruity. Yeah, that one in the Ohio sky. The Ohio sky, we always say it's like it's like our blue moon. It's a it's a ras- it's a blood orange wheat ale. So it's yeah. Do you still find Mercer are Mercer people getting used to craft, or are Ooh. you still like? Hundreds. I'm assuming you still have people come in days. Well, I would say ninety percent of them are 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 in with the craft crowd now. I always like to tell people that this area, always Mercer, Shelby, you know, maybe even down where you guys are, Troy. Pickler. Shelby doesn't even have one yet. No. Pickwick, Pickwick was like, well, yeah. they they got uh, crooked handle, crooked right? handle. But this this area is always like five to ten years behind the beer curve. So like right now, hazy IPAs are like hazy IPAs and pale ales are like people are loving them. But, but yeah, like ninety percent of the people that come in now appreciate the work and the flavors of a craft beer. Now, granted, our audience is a little older, and I'm sure that um, a lot of breweries will attest to the same thing, is that Gen Z's not really drinking a lot of beer right now. So so what's your biggest push to trying to get people that aren't? To get that age group, we the sour was, you know, trying to do, I think that these kids, I say kids, but I think that they like more fruity, more sweet flavors so we kind of made a push into that which i am not a big fan of i like beer flavored beer i'm sure you guys mm-hmm. are the same way yeah. but um trying to trying to cater to them I mean, a little bit with some of them. i mean if i'm in cincinnati i'm near urban artifact oh, i'll still yeah. go there and, well that's our third eye yeah that, that's a whole other beast and i love them but yeah yeah for sure so yeah the ohio sky like i said it's it's been on i think pretty much since the beginning um it's got a nice citrus scent to it it's yeah. a little bit hazy looking yeah it's pretty indicative of a wheat beer um we don't like to overpower with the fruit on that one, so you should get it like a little bit of raspberry orangey bite to it, and yep. that's kind of the blood orange yep. in there. So that's pretty much what he's saying. Uh, yep. Nice little citrusy it's, thing going on. Very good. Yeah. It's definitely different wheat beer than some of the other wheat beers you've had. Yeah. Yeah. So we like I said that's a beer that like I said, it's been around for a while. We we we've done variations of it. We've done a peach wheat, and that usually in the summertime does well. Sorry, the phone's ringing. Uh-oh. He's getting popular. No. So you talking about your core beers, or has any of them evolved, like you made them better, or you just keep them the uh, same? Or? There's been some modifications along the way. Uh, our Irish Reds and the malt that we got used to be, uh, or it is, a uh, Belgian malt that they no longer sell in the U.S., so we've had to kind of adapt on that. Some of the yeasts have changed in the beers uh, just to kind of try to improve even you know like even things on like our wooden shoe lager we used to buy a liquid pitch yeast and now we're just using 3470 so just just new things like that a little bit easier um but as far as like the flavor should be relatively uh standard for them across the board i would say so is there any styles that like has surprised you around here that you were like nervous about putting on and that yeah suddenly like oh absolutely like this so we just started doing a pilot series which 
you know, pilot series, usually it's a smaller, we just do a single batch of a beer and call it our pilot series. And the first one of those that I did was a Kentucky common ale. So it had a lot of corn, uh, flake corn, and it had some caramel malts and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a dark cream ale essentially. And uh, I had the style, uh, my wife and I, we visit Louisville all the time because I'm a big bourbon guy. And oh, I think yeah. we were at uh, Pivot, maybe Pivot Brewing down there. That might be what it's called. I'm not 100% on that. But I had the style of beer and I was like, holy smokes, this is incredible because it's got all of those roasty notes, but then it's also got that rich kind of creaminess from the corn. And we did that and I put that on and we kegged off like 13 kegs of the half barrel kegs and i think it was gone in less than a month oh, so nice. that was so um, you're gonna bring that back i'm hoping at some point yeah so, the, so in that breath are you still like doing like homebrew size sample batches to test or are you just we've never size? we've never done um here we've never done that um i'm in on like a personal level at the house on a personal level, i i would love to but you know it's i don't want to do what i do for work when i go home taking your, taking your work home <laughs> yeah. as work yeah, I can get beer pretty pretty easily here, so I don't need it at the house. Uh, no, we, we just kind of come up with a recipe. You know, lately for these pilot series, it's been uh, me coming up with a recipe, running it by my owner. And uh, he says, okay, try this, maybe amend this, and then we just go for it. And um, nine times out of ten it works. We did have to dump a batch because it wasn't good. But, you know, it's kind no, of the name of the but, game. But, you know, I always hear you, you have to be willing to dump a beer if it yeah. ain't isn't good and don't put it on there just because i'm not gonna give somebody something that i wouldn't drink so yeah absolutely um but yeah no that'll it'll come back eventually the pilot there's a lot of there's a lot of that's just a chance for me to explore different styles of beer that i love you know i've been wanting to do like a schwartz beer and and all these kind of check loggers and just different stuff that i think that this area might enjoy but they've just never experienced mm. i was so, about to ask you was there any styles that you would love oh to brew gosh. yeah there's there's a ton <laughs> you know I, I i'd love to do a traditional lambac or, or or wild ferment but we're never going to do that here because it's just space and then nobody would buy it probably but there's a lot of styles and I, I probably would yeah all right well you well you guys got to come by all 12 or 13 kegs of it. That's right. good. <laughs> All right. We did do a... Oh, okay. uh, uh, we'll wait till I get my truck next year. <laughs> we did do a, uh, a farmhouse ale, and we, we conditioned it on black currant, and I, it was great. It had that barnyardy funkiness mm-hmm. that you associate with that style, and it just it didn't move. And so we sold maybe f- three or four kegs out of the batch, and we had to dump it because it just sat in us. So, so there, there's some misses, but there's a lot of... Like I said, I don't... I don't particularly like any certain styles more than the other styles. I love good beer. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever wanted to do like a barley or a barrel age and see how it would <laughs> oh, do God. up here? Or? I'm uh yeah, I'm I'm pushing for that. So we do have a milk stout. I'm actually out of it right now until later this week. Um, I, I've been trying to. You guys know the Northern Row guys and mm. Justin down there. I bet they should be getting ready to release their first like whiskey bourbon at some point in the near future. And I've been kind of just chatting him up, like, "Hey, let me get one of your uh, small barrels," because I would, yeah, I would love to do. Because a, a, a I guarantee, you probably none of them, a lot of people up here have not seen one of those yet. I yeah, there's not many places around here that do it. Um, I think that Moeller maybe just did a, they did the brag. I don't know if they do a barley wine or not, but no, they had something else in a rye barrel. It was a, it was okay. I hope Nick's yeah. not listening to this, but yeah, it, it I, not your style. No, yeah. 
I keep thinking it's, with the stuff I have at my house, I need to homebrew a barley wine, but yeah. that requires getting off of my butt to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough too. You know, there's a lot of I, you know I had some guys that worked up at the Finley Cup Brewing Company, and they they tried some barrel aged stuff, and the barrels just made the beer bad. So there's a risk involved. So that's well, why I, I know that anytime you're doing like barrel aged stuff, I've heard from other breweries that. Uh, like particularly if they're doing sours, was it we were talking to Seventh Son that last time I was on with you? They had like purchased an entire separate facility just to do with their sours yeah. because if that you know the bacteria that causes the sour gets yeah. in anything else, everything is just sour yeah. basically. So yeah, if you're brewing that way for sure, yeah, that's why people around here will do kettle sours and stuff like that. Cause you know, Colin uh, Casher, that's the guy we talked to Seventh Son. He made the comment on how barrel ages don't sell in Columbus. Like, that's surprising because uh, know, didn't, uh, didn't Jackie O's just move up in there? And that's what yeah. they used to specialize in. Was it's you know that's again it's just a hard it's a hard sell for people. You know somebody a thirteen percent mm. beer that tastes like whiskey syrup. You know people just they but, don't know it till they try it mm. and they're afraid to try it because they are like they're expensive to buy too. You know a bottle yeah. is. 12 15 bucks at minimum you yeah know? so that's a I lot know, to, they're meant to be shared too they are buy it. exactly it, yeah, i mean you could drink a full one but i wouldn't highly yeah. recommend but it I, I always still have the mindset that everybody around here just wants to drink you know a, a lot of a lot of stuff and get hammered off a lot of you know like a 30 pack of bush they're like yeah mm -hmm. and they'll drink yeah. that in a day or a or a weekend or, or four hours yeah well you know for me that's just a lot of fluid and it's like <laughs> I'll, I'll go for some flavor, you know. Yeah, there's a time and a place for it, right? You know, I'm not, I'll never knock any. Obviously, I don't like Big and Bev and all you know, no. AB and whatever. I, I get it, but you know, there's a time See, and place. I was for hoping it. Goose Island would have been one of the people that got bought yeah. in that little purchase. Yeah, I think that ship's kind of sailed though for them because they're so tied in with AB now. But because I was excited to see like Ballast Point and them going back to. Yeah, well, you know, you've seen it in Ohio. Platform, I, I mean, know. Just, yeah, Platform was fantastic they were excellent stuff yeah, and they had they were ingrained at least in the columbus community you know they were doing all the stuff for the crew and mm -hmm. because they i think they just opened the one in cincinnati when they sold I, i'm still surprised that they didn't try to like the owners didn't try to do something with that you know you know i'm not i'm not gonna fault them get your get your bag and you know you, oh, you, put, the, you put the work into it I, I i'll never fault you for it no it's all about money yeah. they did it you could talk about passion, but at the end of the day, if you're not making money, then you can't afford to stay passionate and in business. Yeah. See, I think people hated Sammy Owens' dogfish head when they merged, but I was one. I was like, at least it's gonna stay. Yeah. No, yeah, he's done a he's done a great job keeping Sam Adams. Because that's one of my biggest praises about March first is how they've saved some brands yeah. from going away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, what's next on our flight list? I think it's the uh, the Quince Irish Red Ale. So this is the one I was talking about, the uh, Belgian malt that you really can't get in the U.S. anymore and that we've had to modify a little bit. Um, that's one of, like, my favorites. It's, uh, it's just a really solid red ale, really malty, a little sweet. You really don't see red ale as much anymore. Which is surprising, right? Because it's such a nice kind of – I think it's really nice. Because I know a mattress still has the amber lager, yeah. which is – See, for me, when I got started getting into craft, like the first thing that really ever got me was reds, reds you know? Yeah. I was, you know, if it, somebody had a red, I was going to try that first. Yeah, I think it's a nice, like, intermediate point between your, your, your standard light 
cream ales, lagers, and stuff to to something a little bit more darker, a little bit more flavorful. So reds are really nice. I think we do a good job with that one. That one again has been around for the entirety of the brewery. So it's definitely a good drinker. It's one of those that uh, it, it borders definitely on crushable. Just throw back a bunch and just sit there and just chill. You do what you got to do, bud. Hmm. Don't judge me, man. Okay. There's some beers that, hey, there's some days after a long work day, it doesn't matter what you're drinking, that's, it's going down strong. Those days it went into Y, pretty yep. typically. Yep. That's true. And, yep, I'm going to ignore that because people don't like <laughs> messages that I leave at work. Hey, but you know to just drink up and forget them. There you go. Till 5 o'clock when the out-of-office message goes away. <laughs> But so you know, what's what goes into red ale pretty much? What, that, how do you like get the red color? So that comes from uh, the caramel malts. Uh, caramel, I think it's 120 in that. So just a small, small amount of that roasted caramelized malt um, goes a long way. Um, that's a lot of the color. So you don't need it. Which was that was one of the things that always surprised me when I first started brewing too, especially like the stouts and our brown ale is just how little of a roasted malt or like a black barley takes the flavor you know you're using 500 pounds of malt 400 of that will be base malt and then there'll be some other malts for flavors and then you put just like five to ten pounds of a dark malt and it completely makes the beer black or brown or deep red or whatever color you want to call it the times of whole brewed like when i did my uh chocolate milk stout the instant darkness from just adding the chocolate and malt was just oh yeah. well that's cool yeah and a little goes a long way. You don't want to. You definitely don't want to overdo it because those flavors are intense when they're roasted like that. So. When I looked at the grain bill, and when I looked at the grain before it, you know, it had mashed up. I was like, "Oh, that isn't that dark." And then afterwards, it's like, "Holy crap!" You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't take a lot. I've realized that, and I was kind of kind of impressed by that because I was like, "Oh, this just a small amount of grain will make 210 gallons of beer that dark." So yeah, but yeah. So where would you like to see this place go in the future if, you know, plans <laughs> for the future and all that? You know, when I first started here, first started brewing here, I, I was kind of like that gung-ho guy on the job, like, we're going to take over the damn craft beer. You know, the more that I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit older and been around the scene a lot, I, I think that we're pretty content with where we are. I don't, I don't really foresee expansion. Um, obviously, we might expand our tap, you know, a tap list a little bit have a few more beers over 13 but try obviously channel distribution channels it will grow hopefully and stuff like that but as far as as far as physical locations i think this is it so you don't see yourself like opening little tap rooms here and there no i i really don't i think that we like i said we talked a little earlier about this we kind of know our role here you know we're, we're not we're not a big brewery we're, we'll never be a big brewery we're just trying to make really good craft beer for people in our community which is what i think that a lot of the craft beer industry especially in the state of ohio is we're at 400 or whatever breweries mm -hmm. now it's becoming a lot more local and then you have your big regional you know areas dayton cincinnati columbus cleveland where, where they are bigger breweries and more distribution and, and but you also see every town in between here now getting a brewery you know and it's it's great to see it's it's do you think the distribution laws too is what keeps you guys from not wanting to do it? I know a little bit. I think I think a lot of it too is is just being able to upkeep because we we've had talks or we've been approached by you know like Heidelberg and some of these other distributors distributors. Sorry, I just think that the volume that they're kind of asking for too would be just hard for us to upkeep 
Or to, to, so what to, volume would they want you to? You know, really, like our Ohio Sky and our Red Ale, those are the two ones that are, are in restaurants and, and tap rooms, other, not tap rooms, but tap houses uh, the most. And I think it, would, it might almost be like a whole batch of beer at a time, and that hurts us here. It'd be the only, so what you're saying is it's the only flavor you'd have the capacity to make at that one hit? Right, and we'd have to brew it. You know, if we were going to do that, we'd probably have to brew it twice a week, which is not a huge deal. But, you know, like I said, we're not trying to take over the world. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we obviously would like to get into, you know, some, some convenience stores and stuff like that in our area just so that people can enjoy them coming into the area. But obviously special events, too. You know, if, if, if Mad Tree called us and said, hey, we're, we're having a, you know, you guys want to come and bring a beer down and put it on tap here? We'd be like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. We're not going to turn down anything like that, but we're not going to go and open an, a, a Dayton location or Cincinnati. We we know our role, and, and we're pretty content in our role. And I think some people forget that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I think there's always a desire and a want to, you know, it's like Ron was saying, it's it's about money at the end of the day, but we're making money here, we're, we're doing well, we get to make hopefully, in your guys' opinion, good craft beer, and that'll bring people in. You know, they'll, they'll see us or they'll hear about us thanks to podcasts or whatever, and they'll come. And if they enjoy it, they'll come back and know that we're always here with smiling faces and welcoming them into the, to the barn. You know? oh, yeah. so. so going from a home brewer to where you're now, is it different than what you thought it would be or, you, or is it what you thought it's, it would be? It's a little different. Our, our, our brewing system here is it's, it's pretty intuitive. It's pretty um, assembly line. Like um, I've been in some breweries where it's all automated and massive. And at, at this place, we, we keep it pretty simple. I can do a brew day in about eight to, eight to nine hours a day. And um, it's a lot like cooking. I approach it like cooking because it is following a recipe and making sure that everything is timed right. Your hops going at the right time and this, that, and the other. But... Uh, yeah, it's a little different going from one five-gallon batches to 210. But as long as you're paying attention, you, usually you're not going to be too bad. Is there any collaborations you've done you enjoyed, or is there any collaborations coming you're excited Is there for? any collaborations you would like to do? I mean, I'm always, always, always open to it we haven't we did one with uh, yellow springs early on we opened and that was an alt beer all of our brewing equipment and stuff came from yellow springs brewery uh, before they got you know massive which is mm-hmm. great for them always down to do something with people if they want to we just you know i said we know our roles and we're not going to go out there and we're just you know you want to do this we're it, so. hey other breweries come poke them because i want to <laughs> see them do that yeah no i would love to do something crazy you know you were talking the pastry shots earlier. we were talking pastry shots earlier. i would i would absolutely love to do something with listerman i know dan doesn't own it anymore and congrats on the retirement and, and mm. that but i've been a listerman fanboy for years i would yeah. love to I all know. right so we're gonna go buy you like five <laughs> skids of lucky charms yeah exactly i think it's, it would be fun to do something like that because we don't do that here so i think it would be fun to be like hey you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna make 20 trays of brownies and dump it in our you know our fermenter like all right have yeah. you ever thought about doing that just one time and just see have i thought about it oh yeah have i thought about the repercussions of cleaning it oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, he, um, I don't know if Ronald helped me that day. We had to help clean out that thing. Yeah, that, that, so uh, there was a day with a, uh, the, the 513 guys. We went to Third Eye, and they were having like a, uh, a brew day, and we were down there helping them make a beer. And that was an entertaining day because, you know, they brought us down, and, you know, they're having us do all the steps. And made you toss, clean them. 
toss the grain and clean out the thing. Clean the mash tun out? Yeah, yes. and it was great because, like, <laughs> I've done the homebrew thing, and I know that's, like, the work part of the job, not the fun part of the job. And those guys that they had doing it, they were a couple of big dudes, and they were just standing back going, yeah, look at these <laughs> idiots thinking this is fun. This is the shit part of the job. Yeah, it's you guys a, have fun. Yeah, everybody scoop it out. Take more, save, take more selfies. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and I... We said we're doing seven barrels, so about 500 pounds of grain at a time. And I couldn't imagine cleaning up 2,000 pounds of mash out so of it. So, does most of your grain like go to back to the farmers or something? Yeah, like that? absolutely. All of it does. Um, it's kind of nice. Teresa's family, the owner, uh, she's her family's huge. So, they've got farmers, and it goes to chickens and pigs and cattle, whatever they decide to give it to. So, yeah, everything that we use malt-wise is, is repurposed for food, for, for livestock. So. That was a, that's a big cool thing too, and, and I, I think a lot of breweries are doing that or trying to do that instead of just wasting it because mm-hmm. it's farmers it's free food, right? Not well, yeah, and but, you know they, they, they it's cooked, so maybe it digests <laughs> better. I don't know. I, don't, I know it that doesn't have alcohol in it, right? I know that they do tend to enjoy the uh, the Guernsey Gold because that's got flaked rice in it a lot more, and they don't particularly like the darker styles of beer. The cattle doesn't because the bitterness of the dark grains so so let's go to hazy hazy horizon yeah so that's just a a standard uh, new england style ipa it's a technically it's a triple dry hop lemon drop trident citra i don't think it's gonna be super crazy for you guys Uh, no it's fine it's perfect yeah it's It's got not not too overboard it's got the ipa smell to it yeah so citra trident lemon drop and then we use flaked oats and flaked um wheat in the mash as well give it a nice body there's um, a good nice balance to it yeah no yeah that was our first forced foray into the hazy world uh so we had kind of uh before i even started brewing we had pestered jack who was still doing all the brewing like hey it's time man it's time to do a hazy because our, our 90s was it's a it's more west coast it's more bitter and like it's time it's time he's like no 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 we had done a session ipa during covid called shelter in place and people really love that. And so we just kind of pivoted that recipe a little bit into this hazy. And it's been um, a really, really good seller for us. We actually, that's one of the beers that we can now as well. So um, Definitely worth it. This is an excellent IPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said it's not, for, for anybody that's a crazy IPA drinker, it's, it's going to be like, yeah, this is pretty mid, which is, it's fine. We're in Mercer County. <laughs> well, we'll call it uh, more of an entry-level IPA yeah, than most. If sure. you're like... It's someone who would be scared of an IPA, yeah. like who's going to try a Ryan Guy's Truth for the very first time. That's yeah. their first IPA experience. That's going to be a bit much. <laughs> It'd be a bit better, yeah. But yeah, th- so this is good. This is definitely good. Yeah, that was a yeah, big surprise. I think some breweries early on in the craft world, you know, when we were talking to to Crooked Handle, you said how all the IPA, all the breweries back then all wanted that two-hearted. And yeah. Zombie dust, like strong, bitter, and they were wondered why no one liked it. Great, great beers. Time and a place yep. for them. I think that if you're going to introduce people to IPAs, most of them are going to approach either the hazy route or a pale ale route. And that's a, that's one too that I would love to take the base and try. You know, New Zealand hops or just something a little bit different to kind of push people in this area's horizons. Again, Mercer County guys. So all you Cincinnati Dayton folks, you guys are used to all that you get it everywhere but around here we don't get a lot of that so you know talk about mercer county there seems like to be more breweries popping up are you, oh, are you yeah. happy with how mercer county's coming do you think Absolutely. there's more room for them or um, are you happy with what you guys have 
there's probably always room for them. And yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see to see them popping up. You know, the guys over at Gone Goozlers in New Bremen and Lake Rat, whatever they're kind of doing stuff and Second Crossing. And yeah, I, and there's a brewery and planning or a brewery that does just uh, tap room stuff over in Minster. I, I I love to see it because it's it's just a it's a great family right we're like all a family like you could go to you go to these conferences for ocba or the the, the brewers association and you, you just love to see everybody do well and you know heck maybe they're doing something that you've never thought of and mm-hmm. it works out really well so you could kind of copy and paste or you know or you know collaborate with them and talk to them and help them help them grow i mean i know that talking to you know, even guys like nick and stuff over there more you, they talk to you and you learn you learn something you're learning something every day and whether or not it's Always great advice. So was Moeller the first one in this area? I believe Moeller was the first one, and then we opened, and then I believe Lake Rat opened right after us. And then I'm not sure if Gone Goozlers or Second Crossing opened first. Because I know for sales just lost. Yeah, oh yeah, Endless Pint. I forgot about Endless Pint. Those guys might have been the second or first ones as well. They just lost them? Yeah. Uh, About a year ago now. Hmm. Maybe a little bit longer, yeah. Which? About a year. Probably about a year ago. It, it sounds bad, but I just noticed about, was it Gongooza's, however you pronounce that? Mm-hmm. I just noticed them the other day because it took a different way home from work. So, Yeah, he's uh, he's got some really good stuff. It, it's he's a, a very German. Very German-style beer, yeah. Uh, I really love his new Paris, which is his Berliner, and he does it mit juice with syrups and stuff. It's it's great. He did a black uh, a black lager, which I thought was really great. It's good to see them grow, too. You know, when you, a lot of them, when they first open up, they're trying to find their feet. And I think that Jack and, and Nick and everybody were probably the same way, trying to find their feet and their little – carve out their own little mm. area, what they like to do and stuff. So, you know, sometimes people come in and say, oh, that beer wasn't great over there. Like, okay, go give it – when was the last time you were there? Oh, mm. six, seven months ago. Go back. Give them another chance. So, I always say when a brewery first opens, don't judge them on their right, first exactly. day. exactly. Yeah. Because it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a great philosophy, and I wish more people had that sentiment about things because they, you know, they went to a brewery. I don't, it could be kind of Goozlers or wherever, and they had it first month of opening. Like, oh, it was terrible. I'm like, go back, try it again. It's well, kinda- you know, first month of opening. It's like, do the brewers really know the equipment and its quirks yeah. yet, or anything like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when the, we were talking the Third Eye, and they said they did that pineapple. Uh, thing and they were like we did not know our system we threw some adjuncts in it just to make sure it tasted yeah. good because they said when you went to a new system you don't know what's going to happen yeah it's a mm. you're learning every day i mean i'm learning every day still and i've been brewing here for three years ish i think two, i feel like two, the day years. you're not learning is the day you're going to fail anyway oh exactly so are there certain trends you like where craft is going and is there certain trends you kind of cringe on <laughs> I, I mean, trends are so hard because, you know, we all don't kind of fit into certain trends, right? Like, it's not a trend for you. The hazy APA trend, I think, got just way too out there when they were doing all the lactose and adjuncted and this hop and that. That was a little bit much for me. Lactose, hazy IPA, milkshake. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, and we're going to throw some apricots and what. Like, just, okay, just calm down a little bit. Um, the same thing with the pastry stouts. I think that. The trend that I've I've enjoyed seeing and loved doing is is like you were talking earlier is the the pivot back to traditional styles and and beer flavored beer because it is such a nuanced little thing is like you add a little bit of this malt and it changes the entire dynamic of that or you change this yeast up and it's a whole different beer and that's what I like to see is a nice crisp light lagers and, and 
red ales. And Which I like think that. you're starting to see that more. I, yeah, 100%. Especially down in Cincinnati, you notice a lot more craft 100%. breweries are bringing out these light lagers. Yeah, 100%. And, some of that I still wonder if it's like response to Bud Light kind of screwing up earlier in the year in their marketing campaign. No, I. But in the same breath, I also feel it's kind of time for I think that just the, a tradition. I think that the craft beer drinking community is maturing. So I, I like we again we talked earlier about the Gen Zs not really drinking a lot. So it's a lot of millennial drinkers and a lot of like boomer drinkers. And as the millennial generation gets older, we grow up. We we kind of want to get away from all of that crazy sweet fruity adjunct and stuff and just a really nice quality everyday drinking beer and so I, th- I think it's that mostly speaking as a fellow millennial i agree i don't know about him because <laughs> yeah blake, i don't, I don't, I don't know speak for all millennials i'm, I'm sorry i'm 93 <laughs> so i don't but, know but blake's like generation. uh he, he's like the baby here he's like a good 10 years younger oh, than us uh, easy 93 yeah, yeah. well seven years probably eight years yeah Young enough. Okay, so I'm the old man here. Screw you all. I'm going to shake a candy and get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. So, you know, coming from Miami County that recently just started getting breweries in Mercer County, what are some things you think us as in our counties can do to bring more people in? Is there something we should be doing to try to say, hey, that you know, because the common trend in Troy was like when Muller opened up, oh, it's just an air bar, which that right. – which, what? I will stand to this day saying breweries are not bars at all. I, yes, right. sir. I, but there... there's, that, there's a huge different atmosphere. I, I think having somebody from that area that's ingrained in that area, like, hey, I was born and raised in Piqua or, or Sydney or Troy or, or whatever, who was born and raised and knows the community and the community knows them or knows their family and has the passion and the drive I think that's all that you know. That's all it's going to take is is somebody from that area that's going to want to do it and be passionate about it and, and embrace it. You know, we've embraced the cold water feel. I mean, we've we've every brewery around us. You know, Lake Rat they're super involved in the Salina community. Same with the Second Crossing guys, Parkway over there. Uh, I think it's just that it's it's a it's a matter of knowing knowing the area, being from the area, having a passion for the area, and then just staying involved in the community with events or, or whatever as much as you can. Because as much as I love what's Nick done in Troy, I, would yeah. lo- I still would love to see Troy getting oh, for sure, a yeah. startup, you know. Of their own that's not on, it's not Muller's. Which it, is. I mean, I think you think, even though Jason at Kirk Handel is doing amazing things at yeah. Pickle, I love, I just... Uh, something about a startup brewery that you have no connections to anything. Exactly. It's just the connection is everything. And I, you know, for guys like Cook at Handle, I've, I think I've talked to him down at Greenwood event. When you come in and you don't try to just take over that town, like this is the crap. They've ingrained themselves a little bit into the community, and that's what it takes. I think is just building well, a connection with the people in that town. Well, the, for Crooked Handle specifically, they've got a hell of a location there, right yeah. on the river, and like the city is building that you know, renovate and building that big park area right mm-hmm. next to them. Um, my, my, I've spent more time at Crooked Handle than probably I will admit publicly <laughs> because my dogs enjoy walks. They are dog friendly. And well, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's just uh, too, you know, finding the history, you know, there's, there's been breweries historically in Piqua and Troy, at least I'm sure. It's just finding something that they have the strawberry mm. festival in Troy, right? Maybe you do a strawberry blonde ale or something, and that's yeah. like your core. It's just ingraining yourself in the community, and I think being a part of the community is one of the biggest things, too. Which I think both Nick and Jason does amazing jobs in their cities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's. It's tough, like I said, where there's 400 craft breweries yeah. plus in the state of Ohio right now. So, so you've got to just. Where do you think it'll be in five years? 500? Or? Gosh, I don't. Do you think know. it'll keep growing, or do you think it'll decrease? How's I, that? I don't for know. A it's got to plateau at some point, right? I mean, at some point, every small town is going to have a brewery, which is great, but then that's going to limit sales and growth for a lot of places. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I really have no idea. <laughs> the sky's the limit, I guess. Um, I think it's going to plateau here at some point because it's just, like I said, every small town can't sustain a brewery. It's tough enough for, for little guys like us having four or five around us to kind of make sure we stand out. And, you know, well, that's where you go when you get your, you know, like your berry bombers. Yeah. And you do them and you do them well and you get your following with them. Yeah. That's, yeah. it, it, you know, you might get bored brewing your own same thing, the Berry Bombers, but if people are wanting to come in, because I've had that, and it is an excellent beer. Yeah. Well, it's, like somebody told me, like, the first thing somebody told me is everybody can brew a great beer once. It's, it's, the, re, it's the replication of that beer time after time Definitely. after time that makes, makes a brewery a good brewery. And so, yeah, if you can do that and you can replicate and you build your following and your crowd, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do fine. If if you're inconsistent in your beers, so if somebody comes in and has a berry bomber on day one, comes back three years later and it's completely different, obviously there's gonna be some changes in there along the way, but it shouldn't be a completely different flavor and taste to them. So It'd be one of those that I remember I had that three years ago. Oh man, we're going past that place. I have to try that again. And you're like, well, that's yeah. crap. Yeah. What happened? You know. Yeah. Then one credit I give Ohio, like Ohio Untapped, is with the passport. I mean, yeah. the the way Ohio supports their breweries. Yeah. Oh, it's is, incredible. Yeah, we have a lot of people that come in here on the weekends who, especially since this area now has got five or six little breweries around it. They'll, oh, we got a hotel or an Airbnb on the lake, and we're just hitting up all the breweries this weekend. Like, oh, cool. Where are you guys from? Oh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Dayton, Athens, all these places. It's super cool to see, and it's it's. It's really nice. A lot of them are repeat customers. We have, uh, we're lucky that we have Eldora Speedway right down the road from us, which brings in people from all over the country. Um, and when there's big races, they are always coming in here and they come in time after time after time. There's guys that live down around you guys that go to fretboard all the time and they come in here when they're up here for races. They're like, fretboard is our home, but this is our home away from home at Tailspin. So, yeah, if it works. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about doing the Airbnb thing, but yeah. That might be a good weekend idea at some point. Can't beat it. Lots well, to do around here. Well, we appreciate your time, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And, and thank you for offering us these excellent yeah. beers, sir. Yes, yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you, and thank you, Ronald, for being part of this show Absolutely. Again. And thank you for uh, being so responsive, sir. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Anytime, guys. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to Blake the Brew Explorer podcast. This podcast was hosted by me, Blake Longfellow. This episode was also produced by Noah Jones and edited by Noah Jones. Want to join us on our brewery exploration? Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow me at the Blake the Brewery Explorer on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. If you would like to be interviewed, please reach out to Noah Jones at nojocreative at gmail.com or me at blakelongfellow at gmail.com.